0: Like Shark Tank? Then you'll love Firing Squad. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to put the recruiting industry's bravest, ballsiest, and baddest startups through the gauntlet to see if they've got what it takes to make it out alive. Dig a foxhole and duck for cover, kids. The Chad and Cheese Podcast is taking it to a
1: whole other level. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your webmaster's favorite podcast, a.k.a. the Chat and Cheese podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the Luigi to my Mario. Chad Sowash hey, is in the house, and we are happy to welcome ProJol J.J. Gatak, CEO and founder at Onloop to the Firing Squad. J.J.,
2: welcome. Thank you for having me all the way from Singapore. It's midnight. It's midnight in Singapore. This is what uh, JJ is doing for us.
1: We are building bridges around the world. Uh, <laughs> our first Singaporean <laughs> guest, so we are excited about that for sure. So before we get into uh, the nitty gritty of the business, let our listeners know who you are. What makes JJ tick?
0: Yeah. So uh, you know, I I live in Singapore with with my wife, where we both grew up in Asia. So I grew up in India. She grew up in the Philippines, but She's American, I'm Singaporean. We have our first child on the way and, and that's going to be one confused kid with Filipino with <laughs> and Indian parents and a U.S. and Singapore passport. So we'll have fun with that. Uh, I've been to 49 countries, have a weird accent, which is probably 75% American and 25% others. And I think what, what, what makes me tick is... A general curiosity about the human condition. And, you know, in a world where Elon Musk is trying to take us to Mars, I'm trying to make humans better. And I and I think
1: economies Good luck with and that.
0: technologies exist to make humans better. And so making humans better is what makes me tick.
1: Well, that is a lofty goal. That is a lofty goal. Well Chad human condition. Yeah. Chad, why don't you tell him what he's won by being on the
2: firing squad today? Alcohol helps the human condition. Welcome to Firing Squad, JJ. Here's what's going to happen. So at the sound of the bell, you're going to have two minutes to pitch on loop. At the end of two minutes, we're going to hit you up with about 20 minutes of Q&A. Be sure to be concise. or You're going to get hit by the crickets, which means tighten it up. At the end of Q&A, you're going to receive either a big applause, which means you've nailed it just like the Baltimore Ravens blowout playoff win. Uh, Get the bubbly ready because we're predicting a championship. Golf clap! Well, you squeaked one through like the Kansas City Chiefs did uh, against the Bills. Be happy, but you still have a ton of work to do. Or, oh my God, the firing squad. Uh, This is worse than a Buffalo Bills wide right field goal or a Ron DeSantis smile, kids. All you can do now is hang your head, pack it up, and go home. Get ready for some firing
0: squad. Are you ready, Joel?
1: Are you ready, JJ, is the better question. Let's go. Two minutes starts now. (laughs)
0: Hey, folks, uh, I'm Projol, and I'm the CEO and founder of OnLoop. OnLoop is a gen AI company um, that is focused on increasing the effectiveness of managers globally. Um, The company was born about three years ago in 2020, right when um, the world was moving from an in-office workplace to a remote workplace um, to really redefine how teams of the future are assessed and developed. Um, I spent many years at companies like Accenture and Uber um, running very large organizations and were increasingly frustrated by manual bureaucratic processes like performance management um, and a ton of learning tools that were, at best, never used, at worst, hated uh, by by me and my teams. Um, and through the process of the last three years, uh, we've really come up with our own proprietary framework that we call collaborative team development. Um, That's a hierarchical framework of managing each person's energy, their goals in terms of targets, projects, and skills, celebrate and improve feedback to identify superpowers and blind spots. And then finally, ongoing personalized learning based on specific goals and specific feedback. Uh, We then take the friction out of that uh, by using AI to rewrite feedback so we can take people's raw observations, rewrite that using a standard situation, behavior, impact framework, as well as extracting behaviors from it, um, as well as as make it much easier to take simple goals and sort of flesh them out in terms of milestones, um, et cetera. And then we run a habit loop through a well-designed product um, and sort of formulating what we call a clarity score that takes everything that's happening around those five layers uh, and help managers take next actions um, for every team member. Um, you know, we we started with a problem um, and we set up the Your software. time is up, uh, uh, JJ. That's it. That's here we are.
1: Thanks for the pitch. All right, we always start with uh, the name on Loop. It sounds like a new Keanu Reeves movie. Uh, how'd you come up with it? You started with IO, I think. Now you have a .com. Tell us the story about the name.
0: Yeah. So uh, actually, I'd come up with a company name called Curate about three and a half years ago. And so we used that when we first started. Uh, But Curate was impossible to ever get Curate.com. And if people can't find you, that's a problem. Uh, And so as we thought about renaming the company, I think being able to get a .com was a huge factor. And in the early days, we talked a lot about fixing broken feedback loops uh, in organizations and helping sort of managers and teams stay on loop. And so through a narrowing process, we landed on on loop, both from a logistics perspective around digital identity, as well as a correlation with what we were doing with companies.
1: Okay. So you were at Uber before on loop. It seems like a bit of a stretch. We usually have startups that have some recruiting experience or had a startup in recruiting before or worked for a, an employment or work related company. How did you make the leap from Uber to on loop?
0: yeah so so you know I, I think the I think the common thread that goes through my entire career starting right from Accenture back in the day was that developing people around me was just something that I naturally did and then while I was at Stanford doing a two year MBA, we spoke so much about feedback and leadership being the core components of what builds great organizations and so this sort of this sort of aspect that people drive business outcomes and that sort of being A core job of an executive was something that was pretty ingrained early on in my career. Mm -hmm. And seeing Uber go from 9,000 to 27,000 people, personally leading teams of 50 to 150, having to do calibrations every six months, and seeing sort of the time inefficiency as well as the bias and injustice in those conversations led to a level of frustration that led me to solving this problem. So two weeks before two weeks after I left Uber, I wrote a two-pager called Talent Tech in terms of everything that I felt was broken from the lens of an end user leader or a manager less from a functional org like HR. And I, and I think we've seen this in IT happen in the last 10 years where people sort of build tools for engineers, designers, product managers directly. And unfortunately, all the tools have been built for an HR use case versus a manager or leader use case. And so you know, I decided we need to sort of tackle all of these talent problems primarily from the lens of the manager or the leader and then secondarily from the lens of HR Is something that we've seen happen in IT in the last ten or twelve years.
1: So you launched in 2020 and 2021. You raised five and a half million dollars. It looks like. What have you done with the money? When is the next round of funding, if there is going to be one? Like, talk about the uh, investment.
0: Yeah, so we actually raised a pre-seed of of two and then sort of stayed in stealth until we got to a product that we wanted to talk about. And then sort of we started working with GPT-3 back in 2021. And one of the first prototypes we built was taking um, small bits of bite-sized feedback and sort of putting that together in a coherent summary as our first iteration of an automated performance review. And we saw pretty early that that tech was going to get mainstream. And that's when we raised our three and a half uh, and sort of started talking publicly. And we were the first company in the world to ever automate performance reviews. And actually, if you look at, mckinsey data around managers and how to make their lives easier performance reviews comes up consistently as a use case where sort of ai is deeply helpful if it's used the right way unfortunately it's used in the wrong way today where people just make up stuff on chat gpt which is not helpful but taking sort of continual observations and stitching them together with ai in a consistent manner is actually pretty powerful and so we sort of sort of did a waitlist launch in september 2021 over the course of 2021 and 2022 the platform got a whole lot better. The tech got a whole lot better. Our sort of core application got a whole lot better. We really started monetizing um, sort of at the beginning of 2023. We sort of 6X the business. We're sort of at about two to 300K in ARR today. Uh, we will 5X the business over the course of 2024. We are in the process of raising a $2 million round to sort of get us way past PMF and sort of build repeatability. And so we're at a stage where... We've identified creative agencies and sort of post PMF impact tech companies as sort of target markets where we want to build repeatability around. We sort of serve customers globally, but our our core markets are the U.S., Singapore, Japan, Australia, and the UAE.
1: Jesus, that's broad. Are you calling the two million a a round? That's real. That seems like a seems more like a bridge.
0: In Singapore, it's interesting. Like we raised a two million dollar pre seed. That's a Series A in Singapore uh-huh. oh, for a lot okay. of companies. And so, so you know, I, I think. I think I think funding rounds and and what to call them is is sort of. Not, got it. not a Different world. I
2: got better. it. I got it. You're not in Silicon Valley. Different anymore. world. Different world. Okay. So you're talking about your footprint. Your footprint is, it seems like all over the place. You just, did you just throw the U.S. in there because it's a big pile of money? Because you're, you're there, Asia-Pac, you've got it right there. You can go ahead and nail that and then, you know, expand in the U.S. later. Why are you focusing all over the
0: place? Yes, it's funny. So, so, you know, in many ways we're, we're primarily a U.S. startup that has a distributed global team. And so, so I went full time on the company in April 2020. Uh, Singapore shut down on 7th April 2020, and we sort of started fundraising largely in the US in May 2020, uh, and actually got an inbound from SquarePeg, Peg, which is Australia's largest VC, who led our who led our pre seed at the time, and and our team right from the get go was distributed across um, US, Canada, India, Singapore, and Philippines. So and and for me, we actually did not acquire any customers outside the U.S. until we were clear what we were building, because we didn't want to accidentally build a product that wasn't for the U.S. And and once it was clear what we were doing, we then sort of added other developed countries to the mix. And actually, over the course of 2023, the U.S. had a really tough year, uh, and we saw sort of our APAC revenue grow a lot quicker than the U.S. revenue. And sort of having the U.S. and developed APAC sort of makes a natural hedge one against the other uh, for our revenue too. So today our revenues are about 35% US, 65% APAC. I sort of expect that to be roughly 50-50 uh, sort of moving forward, long term.
2: Okay. Okay. So on Loop on the website it says uh, as easy to use as a fitness tracker. Explain how that works. What's
1: what's a fitness tracker, Chad? What's a fitness tracker? <laughs>
2: it's underneath your Lay's potato chips. Your 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 wife got you one, but you've never put it on. Yeah. No, it's okay.
0: Uh, I I saw the aura ring on your hand and you know, I think what fitness trackers have done is that it's really demystified what being healthy is and, and broken mm. it down into you're either not sleeping well or not eating and drinking well or not working out. And usually you're drinking way too much alcohol and which is why readiness drops. And and that's that's usual that's usually what happens. That's been the biggest insight from the aura ring for me is don't drink. But you know, we've complexified what being a manager is, whereby it feels like this overwhelming burden that nobody understands. And what we've done is broken it down into five constituent parts that demystifies that and then sort of showing a sense of continual progress that builds habit loops around it. So our app gives you a clarity score for every manager in terms of sort of how much clarity you're driving for each of your team members along the five key components and then next actions to take. And a certain team member might need help around sort of motivation or energy levels, But certain high performers might need improvement feedback to get to the next level. And if you're managing six or eight direct reports, many of which might be all over the place, it is practically impossible to keep track of all of it. And we believe that anybody can be a good manager with the right tools and approaches. We've just not given managers the right approaches to be good. And therefore, we bitch and moan about bad managers all the time.
2: (laughs) Well, they don't get any training and we have shitty managers all over the place. So how how does a a fitness tracker ask type of tech. Help a shitty manager become a better manager. Because a lot of it has to do with just caring, right? And when that's not the focus of the company, they're focusing on revenue, sales goals, marketing leads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, oh, well, how does Johnny feel today? That's never a priority. So talk yeah. about how you can make a a shitty, toxic culture into a great culture. Yeah.
0: I don't think anybody walks in the office in the morning and says, I'm going to be a shit manager today. Be some, but I think that's the exception. That's, that's of, behavior.
2: Not. That's behavior. <laughs>
0: Correct. And usually, mani- being a manager means executing with the team that you have and getting the best out of your team. And sometimes there's an issue with someone's motivation or someone's energy level. But usually, where's a huge gap is in people having clarity on what their priorities and goals are. And actually, in most organizations, that is the greatest delta we can drive in in sort of helping every manager break work down into targets, projects, and skills that each person understands and therefore knows how to prioritize. And so in the same way that nobody who's obese wants to be obese and they're not going to go from being obese to being Hussein Bolt overnight, we uh-huh. can give them a roadmap of micro steps to take to get better. And if they then feel a sense of progress, they will get better over time. And so by breaking it down into what the constituent parts of being a good manager looks like and using tech to sort of drive those inputs continually, you can make a manager better one day at a time.
2: Okay. Now, one of the things that we, we see with tech over and over and over and over is that great vision, great vision, yeah. and kind of a, there's a little bit of over-promising that happens. So on the site, it says, prioritize individual well-being as the foundation for thriving organization. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. But does the system analyze pay equity, living wages, those types of things? Because those are the, the things that first prioritize employee wellness. So where do you begin and where do you end with regard to understanding wellness within an actual individual within an organization?
0: It's a great question. and And for us, the starting point is understanding where people's battery levels are, right? And being intentional about it. And someone might be operating at 10% battery for a variety of reasons. And that's Mm -hmm. where, to your point, the skill of a manager and having that conversation and and the app sort of would prompt you then to ask the conversation to understand what's going on. And it's impossible to predict what the ranges of of those things are. But the first part of it is driving awareness around it. And what we've realized as a company is that tech will not purely solve this problem. We've now built an approach and a framework to drive this in organizations. And and in many ways, we feel that we've built the OKR or agile of today of what exists in the hybrid and generative AI world to give people a way to think about sort of overall performance. And for me, well-being is a high ROI activity to drive performance because I went through clinical anxiety in 2022 as a founder, and I saw what that did to my productivity and performance as a professional. And so, I yes, I care about people. But but for me, it's about tracking the right things to bring the best out of people. And there's enough research now shows that if your phone or a human being is running at 5% battery, no matter how powerful that battery is, it's going to lose charge and die out. Um, and, and burnout is a very specific sort of outcome that takes place. And that very much sits at the base of performance.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about, you had mentioned using AI wrong, but your thesis is basically that traditional performance management is broken. So dovetails into a question about competition. I mean, this feels like a lot of brand awareness with Lattice, 15.5, uh, Culture Amp just come to uh, top of mind. Talk about the competition and wh- how are they doing it incorrectly?
0: Yeah, Jack Altman's got out and said there is no room for generative AI in performance management. So he's been public about it. And that's because the pain of performance management and writing reviews does not lie with HR, it writes with managers. And they are the ones who suffer in the process. And because we serve managers above all else, we are maniacally focused on driving an experience that lead to consistently positive and fair outcomes while taking the friction out. Vladis, on the other hand, is building an HRIS because his HR customer wants one system. And so so ultimately what you build is a factor of who your customer is. And my competition from a performance management lens is, is building for a different buyer who's not necessarily asking for lower friction in how things are done, but their end user, which is the manager is, which is where I'm focused.
1: So who, who's the ideal customer for you?
0: Yeah, so, it's, so, so it's, it's either a GM or an MD of a business unit. So we love selling to creative agencies Uh, where there's an MD that runs an org of 50 to 200, where they understand that the only two levers to retaining talent is better managers or more pay. Often more pay is not doable to better managers is the answer. Or it's a COO of a growing organization where strategic people productivity. Uh, strategy and ops is often what it's called in tech. I spent a lot of time at Uber in strategy and ops doing a lot of org work. Ultimately, my job was to make people productive. Uh, and so that function which sort of takes care of how to think about meeting company objectives from the right people. Or it can be someone who runs an org of 50 plus people. We worked with the supply chain org at Beyond Meat for a long time and sort of driving motivation uh, and outcomes at a time of rapid change. And so Typically, it's someone that themselves run an organization of 50-plus people. Uh, they can either own a full P&L or own a department or a full company.
1: So as someone, a uh, proud member of the generation that that said, rub some dirt on it and shut the hell up, uh, this feels very warm and funny, very very millennial, Gen Z. Talk about the generational divide and, and wanting this kind of feedback and how your product supports sort of a younger, upcoming generation.
0: Yeah, so, so obviously... I think everybody wants feedback, right? Like, I I think the question is, what are people vocal about? And I think the millennial and Gen Z generation has just been a lot more vocal about, they want ongoing feedback. But I, I I think sort of wanting to know where you stand is a fundamental human need that doesn't differ between someone who is millennial or Gen Z or older. But I think what we've done is that we've done things like voice input, et cetera, into the app that makes it easier for habits of what you call older generations uh, that that make the product easier from the sense of a leader because ultimately we are selling into um, a senior exec in many ways and, and sort of bridging that gap between what people want, and what people are comfortable doing. And so for us, in, a, in an organization we serve, the leader we sell to is typically sort of in their late 30s to, to early 40s, but the orgs sort of they run are anywhere between sort of people in the early 20s to ranging all the way. Um, and so as a business, we do need to think about experientially who that applies to. And, and frankly, a huge benefit that we have is that we have a global diverse team and we're building for ourselves. And ultimately, we are representative off our market, which, which helps a ton in having that empathy around who we're building for.
2: So you, or at least what I've seen from the marketing, you guys are leaning pretty heavily on hybrid
0: work. Why? We just think the pain is greater, right? So when 30 people are in the same room and working out of the same office, issues around alignment, clarity, visibility, et cetera, are not a burning piece or a pain point, right? And, and that's why we believe this problem that we're solving is not a new problem right? This problems existed for a very long time. But there is a double confluence of the problem becoming more acute because the clarifying loops are a lot lesser when people are working in a hybrid setting. And B, generative AI provides us a brand new way to solve an age-old problem by taking a lot of the friction out around hot topics like goals and feedback. And so for us, you know, as, as a problem solver, like I'm a doctor, I'm looking for the most complicated patient who needs my help the most. And typically, for what we solve, hybrid organizations need more help. Uh, But we have a set of customers who are not hybrid who equally see value in the work that we do. So how do you collect
2: the performance data? So are you integrated into Salesforce, HubSpot, human capital management platforms? Where are you getting your data? Because I'm going to need sales data, marketing leads data, attendance, promotion data, that kind of stuff. How do you get the data into your system so that your gen AI can actually mix it up and batch it into something that uh, makes sense to me?
0: Yeah. So what exists in other systems is what we call targets, right? So, So that is sort of hard metrics around what people are achieving. We have a sort of CSV way of uploading that and keeping that going. We haven't done deep integrations yet with all of those platforms, although we are talking to people like Cobalt who have sort of super APIs uh, that can that can sort of connect across the board. But actually mm-hmm. what we help quantify a lot more is sort of the soft to qualitative behavioral feedback as well as sort of project work or skills work that sort of gets input 360 into the app in a micro manner. And then we create something called a prism summary at the end of it that can exist as a PDF or editable doc or a JSON that can get pushed into an HRIS. Um, So so sort of as a platform, we will eventually bidirectionally connect with every HRIS whereby we'll we'll pick up sort of employee data as, as input in the early part and sort of be able to then push outputs on the other end and then sort of being able to pull in targets or tasks from Gotcha. Um, other sort of tools that people use on the other side
2: so it sounds like right now you don't have the bi-directional that's going so how often does somebody have to manually enter the information through spreadsheet or i mean if they get it they've got to pull it they've got to manually pull it from another system they probably have to clean up the data and then push it into you guys so there's there's a lot of manual work that's going on right how often usually does that happen
0: yeah so so Typically, there's a big lift that takes place in an organization, usually Mm -hmm. at the start of a year or a start of a planning cycle, right? So for larger organizations, there's usually a planning cycle that takes place that then sort of sets KPIs or targets at some cadence. And and Mm -hmm. sort of uploading that at one go at onboarding is pretty straightforward. And then people sort of keep that updated as they go. Now... The kind of companies we work with often don't even have that level of robustness uh, in terms of sort of where things are kept. And so they're fine with sort of individuals also sort of keeping things updated as they go. What we care a lot more is feedback happening on an ongoing basis. Then on a quarterly basis, being able to spit out a prism summary that combines goals celebrates and improves. But the core habit that's much more regular and important to drive is driving observations as an individual, as well as people working on a particular project to provide observations on a regular basis, which is as simple as an unstructured voice note, which we then convert to structured feedback uh, and then attach it to a particular goal.
2: Why aren't you guys focusing on the enterprise? Because the enterprise is one of the hardest performance-driven sets of organizations, number one, but the performance review still sucks. So being able to pull all of that data at scale just makes sense. Why haven't you guys focused narrowly on enterprise?
0: Great question. So Ultimately, you build what people ask for. And so we are in the process of getting our SOC 2 certification, and we will more progressively sell to larger companies. Asana today at $440 million sells exclusively to CIOs, and that's how they build their business. Asana would not be Asana if they started selling CIOs on day zero. And so it is if you're trying to build a disruptive end-user product that drives a change in how things are done... You first need to build a coalition among the people they are trying to help, and then eventually push that into a functional organization like HR and IT over time. So, as a company, if we become phenomenally successful, we will only sell to HR and IT one day. But HR and IT tend to not be all the adopters of products; they tend to be late adopters or laggards in how they buy. And therefore, typically, if you're selling to enterprise on day zero. You're not going to be disruptive and driving change. You will then do what that, that, that enterprise is going to ask you to do. And we are fundamentally changing how companies operate. And therefore, there's a sequential sort of process on how you go about
1: it. Chad, I don't know about you, but this sounds crazy expensive. Uh, JJ, talk about the pricing. What can a company expect to pay? for on loop services.
0: Yes. So this is this is where when you don't have all the engineers in California, things are a whole lot cheaper. So we sort of start at $500 a month and that sort of covers organizations of up to 50. And then we scale based on organizational size. Our typical sort of sweet spot today uh, is serving orgs between sort of 100 and 400 people. And that's an org. It may not, it may be a larger company, but it's the org that we serve. And that sort of works out to about $1,500, $2,000 a month. So it works out to be an 18K to a 25 or 30K contract annually, which is not. Which is actually fairly reasonable based on what I've seen people buy at what prices in larger companies.
1: All right, JJ, that is the bell. It's time to face the firing squad. Are you ready, my friend? I am ready. All right, Chad,
2: get him. All right, JJ, I got to say, so performance management is broken. You are 100% right. It hasn't been fixed thus far. And you got to ask yourself why, right? You got to ask yourself why. But it's broken. Totally get it. So I understand where you're going because I've been in management leadership positions since I've been in, in my early 20s. And do you know what sucks about that position? Performance review. Not just people. I mean, people suck. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but performance review. So using Gen AI to spit out summaries, bullets, or whatever format. The user wants to refresh, refresh their memory on their employees' wins, losses, and overall performance is unique and wonderful. I mean, it's, it's like a brush of fresh air, my friend. If you're integrated into the systems that have the performance data, that's the big key, right? You're yeah. not quite there yet. There's still some work to get there. I believe you're leaning way too hard on hybrid because in all of those companies, uh, I was even in the US military we had to do those and they sucked, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of, I think, uh, from what I'm listening to you here, whether it's your TAM, it's your go-to-market, it's your customer profiles, all of it, it feels like you're still litmus testing, right? Mm. And I and I get that, but my friend, you've been in this long enough. My advice is you pick a target, you hit that target, over and over and over until you hit that two million, five million, six million, then you sell this. Discipline, <laughs> my friend. That's one of the things that right now you are missing. Litmus test time is over. This is this bitch is ready to run. You're not running yet, so therefore, going to give you a golf clap. I think you're there. I just want to see the discipline and see you just kill it, man.
1: All right, JJ, not not too shabby. Uh, but it's my turn, my friend. So uh, so buckle up. Uh, I'm going to start with the jockey on this one. I was telling Chad before he got on the call. I said this dude is a baller. Like, look at his LinkedIn profile. You know his advisory roles, his role at Uber. Like, the jockey has got it going on, and, and even your co-founder, Man as well. Crush. Yeah, we did, Man
2: Crush Alert,
1: Man Crush. We didn't talk much about uh, the co-founder, but she's she's stellar too. So, uh, like the 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 jockeys at this company, I think are, from what I can tell, really really solid. And I think you're the second Uber employee that we've talked to on a startup and so that like whatever's whatever's in the water at uber uh, in terms of people that have gone on to start companies is is pretty solid so as, as i move on to that into the company itself look i think this is where Companies are moving, and this is where the world is moving. I think from a generational standpoint, younger people want that constant contact. They want that feedback loop. They want it all the time. And if you don't do that as a company, you're going to fall behind. Like there's just no way around it. I think from Chad's point, managers want the same thing. They want an automated way to keep you know hands on their team. What's going on? Check the pulse on a regular basis. I think that's all where the world is going. And although there there is competition, I think you guys are going to have a place in that. on that field. No question about it for me. I also think from a recruiting standpoint, people are kind of tired of, of being on the gerbil wheel, hamster wheel of let's post another job. That was the same job we posted six months ago. Let's like get people back in the whole system of hiring and, and interviewing and like just people are kind of tired of just being on that hamster wheel for eternity. They're looking at ways to upskill their people. They're looking at ways to make them feel better at work, at at helping them become better either human beings or employees. So from all those counts, for me, like, uh, you know, in raising money, I think the money's going to come. I think, you know, when when the news story crosses our desk that you guys have raised $20, $25 million, it's not going to surprise me whatsoever. Uh, I think you'll be an acquisition target for sure for a lot of ATSs and other platforms out out there. So for me, like, uh, this is a no-brainer. It is a big applause. Big applause from me. So, JJ, big applause from me golf clap from Chad. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, but you come out of the firing squad with your dignity intact and uh, your face is not bloodied or scarred. So how do you feel?
0: That was great. I had a great time. Thank you. you were not brutal at all.
1: Oh, you're welcome. We, we aim to please, <laughs> we aim to please. All right, JJ, for our listeners that want to know more about you, where would you send them?
0: Yeah. LinkedIn's probably the best. Uh, and so, you know, Search for On Loop or, or JJ Ghatak and you'll find me. I read every message that comes through on LinkedIn. I may not reply to everyone, but I do read
1: it. Even the spam. All right. That is JJ Ghatak from Onloop. Keanu Reeves' next new movie coming out this summer at onloop.com. Chad, another one in the can. We out.
0: We out. This has been The Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Cheese podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face the firing squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com ecom